What is going on? Thank you for tuning in to The Drop-In with myself, Gerald Valley, and this is episode number two. Episode number two. If you have not had a chance, go back, stream it, watch it, and, and commit it to memory. The first episode with Kurt David, out of the park. It was amazing to have him on the show, an Emmy Award winner. In, in the NRM studios, and to sit and shoot the breeze with him for an hour about his journey, how he did it, how he got to where he's at, and what he's doing now, it, it, it inspired me. And so make sure to go back and watch our episode number one. It was phenomenal. It went great. There's still some bugs we're working out, some different things, you know, and it's a different kind of environment because usually I'm carrying the show on my own. And now I get to have these awesome guests to inspire me, you, everybody in the world. That's the goal. So, again, this is a drop-in. Share it with everybody. Turn, uh, You know, the goal is to inspire a million people this year. This avenue with NRM, with the guests that are coming on, we are going to re- reach that goal. It is definitely attainable in 2019, and you are a very important part of that. So thank you so much for tuning in. It is it's it's crazy because again you go back and watch the show you see the emotion in me and and it's still here i i get teary-eyed because this journey has been amazing truly amazing and throughout the life of this show you're going to get to know more about myself the guests uh, a little bit of how how life operates how you can attain any goal you want no matter what it is i always say if you love shoelaces be a freaking shoelace maker you know get inspired follow your passion you never know where it will take you my guest today is the epitome of that the total when you hear his journey it is amazing from barn ramps and stuff in Ann Arbor to inspiring kids through the educational system to being able to work for the freaking Tony Hawk Foundation. Like that's the kind of stuff dreams are made of. And Trevor Staples is in studio with me today to talk about that. And we're going to get there in a minute because I just want to uh, hint at some of the different things that are going to go on with this show. You know, the guests are going to be all over the map. I have Mike Leslie from Candlebox coming on. Skateboarder, amazing guitarist, awesome story about living in a van and making it in the music industry. He'll be on. I also have talked to Jason Navarro from the Suicide Machines. If you're familiar with the Tony Hawk Pro Skater 3 soundtrack, Suicide Machines are on there. They have sold millions of records. He's going to come in and talk about his journey along the way, some of the hurdles he had to go through and is continues to go through, you know. He still struggles to get on his board, but he gets on it. And those are the kinds of stories we're going to cover at the drop in. I'm talking to a freaking Buddhist monk from South Carolina. You know, we're going to be all over the map with one goal, to inspire you to get off the couch and make life happen. This is not a freaking dress rehearsal. We get one shot. We get one shot at life, and and between the stories of myself, my guests, heck, you can message me through Facebook or Instagram. Tell me your stories. Go to NRM, message them. Tell them why you want to be on the drop-in. What does your story have that can inspire every single person that watches or listens? Let me know. Because you might be my next guest. I don't know. But it is just awesome to be here. Awesome to be here in the NRM studios. It is is really, really phenomenal and like a dream come true. I started a podcast about 10 years ago from my couch. 
and after a while, it was it was hitting every bit all over the world. People from Australia chiming in, and it was really to interview the people I looked up to and to ask them what makes you tick, what keeps you inspired on a day to day basis. And it was musicians, it was law of attraction experts, it was wealth coaches, it was all over the map. But it was to inspire myself, but also you, the listener. And so with that, it's transitioned into being here. This is like, what planet did I wake up on? You know, we got these crazy cameras. We have people behind the glass, like working the board and stuff. It is it is a dream come true. And I'm so stoked to be here. It, it, it really is. It's unreal to me. I get emotional. You're going to see it, I'm sure, time to time. I wear them on my sleeve. And it comes through. It definitely comes through. So let's get let's get to it. Um, today, I have a friend of mine named Trevor Staples. He's in studio with us, and uh, we'll bring him on in one second. Awesome dude. I don't remember how we met, but we have been in the same circle of friends for, I think, more than two decades. Uh, he has done some amazing things, like I said, from barn ramps and building backyard ramps in Ann Arbor to creating zines, helping do things. We're going to ask him about your boy. I don't even know. I forget the story of where that came, comes from, but he has been a skateboarder forever in the Ann Arbor scene. The music scene, a drummer. How cool is that? Um, and then going into to inspiring the youth in the educational system, he's an elementary school teacher, to transitioning to helping the Tony Hawk Foundation build more public skate parks in southeastern Michigan, upstate New York, and all over the world. We are, it, it is such an honor and a, and a privilege to have Trevor Staples in studio with us here today. Trevor, what's going on, man? Hey, man, thanks for having me. It's great to be here. Yeah, how's life today? How's it going? It's great. You know, uh, I got here early and I get to go to an awesome soul food restaurant right down the street. So cool. <laughs> I'm feeling good. I like to, you know, I travel around a little bit and I like to find all the good places to eat. So yeah, you've been scored on that one. You've been traveling quite a bit. <laughs> you know, uh, the the one message Trev sent me about a month ago, it, it was from sitting on the balcony overlooking Tony Hawk's personal ramp. Like he's like, tough job today, G. Uh, this is my view. Like how cool is that? Yeah, like that's pretty bizarre. How do you 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 can't you can't make that up, man? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, do you pinch just, yourself? It's crazy, you know. And I, I've been doing this for about a year now, and probably up until right about now, it's been sort of just like, wow, this is amazing, this is a dream come true. And now I'm getting into more of a sort of work vibe. But you know, it's it's a career. It's it's work every day, and it's great. Um, it's not, uh, you know, I've met Tony Hawk a couple times, which is cool. And, you know, more impressive is, uh, you know, nothing against Tony Hawk, but the staffers who work at Tony Hawk Foundation who really make everything happen, they're just an amazing group of people who um, really do the impossible getting skate parks built all over the place. Yeah, yeah. I got to, you know, we're going to get to deep into the Hawk Foundation stuff because I want to know what it was like the first time you got a text message from Mickey Bukovic. So we're going to get to that because that that has to be huge. And if you don't know who Mickey Bukovic is, Google him right now because when we get there, you'll know who we're talking about. But I want to start at the beginning, man. Like, how did you, were you born in Ann Arbor? Did you grow up in Ann Arbor? Like, how did that work and how did you get on a skateboard? Mm -hmm. So I was, I was born in Ann Arbor, um, lived there my whole life. I've never moved away. My grandparents uh, on my dad's side moved up from Arkansas to work in the auto factories. Um, 
and yeah, so my, my mom and dad met in high school in Ann Arbor at Pioneer High School, which was Ann Arbor High before that. Um, that's where I ended up going for a semester and then went to community high school where my daughter goes now and where my wife went also. Um, skateboarding, you know, there were two sort of phases to my starting of skateboarding, which I think a lot of people have. The first was getting a toy skateboard, probably when I was about 12. I think it was called a GT Cruiser or something. I don't know. And I remember my buddy and me just posing for pictures and stuff, you know, skating around the block and everything, you know. Uh, then around probably 1982, 83 is when I discovered sort of real skateboarding. Um, and there are some people who are who who helped me along the way that we'll talk about a lot, especially West Dean um, of Local Chaos. Um, check out localchaos.org for tons of Michigan skateboard history. Uh, we'll talk more about that as we go along. Well, but. and I'll chime in a little bit because about 86 is when I first came out to the barn ramp and I saw West Dean, Dave Tuck, like mm -hmm. the whole crew, Tony, uh, everybody in a barn ramp. And it was like phenomenal. It was, it was, this is what my, I got goosebumps all over my body now just bringing it up because these guys showed me what skateboarding is supposed to be and what it, what it, what it was going to be in my life. And the, so those names ring like huge in my life. Yeah. So anyway, yeah, yeah moving so on. Same here. Those guys uh, taught me skateboarding. It didn't seem like that, but they were, <laughs> mm -hmm. I mean, I guess you'd look at it as coaches, you know, um, life coaches in some ways good and in some ways you know things had to be figured out later and straightened up a little but um but no it was cool it was uh you know that was in the mid 80s and things were just wild with skateboarding it was anything goes so everyone had their own way of doing things um you know competitions happened sometimes but usually it was just skating uh, backyard ramps, the, the skate parks, the public skate parks, or they're actually private skate parks, privately run skate parks, had, had pretty much all been bulldozed in Michigan by that time. And so people were building backyard ramps. Um, one picture, I was just looking through some pictures the other day, and uh, Wes has a great, like his first ramp was just up against his old pickup truck in the back, just some wood leaned up against it. And that was the kind of thing that we would rip. Um, and you mentioned the barn ramp, the, that barn ramp on Joy Road. It was a horse farm, and Wes lived there. And man, some of my best friends were made there, you know. And and how we met, you know, who knows how we met? I mean, it's probably like uh, Rick Turtel mm -hmm. and Terry Aldridge yeah, <laughs> from Toledo, yeah. where we just met. They came up to skate Ann Arbor, street skating. We met, instant friends, you know. Because again, back then, you saw someone with a skateboard, you were you were friends. You had to be. It was a requirement that you're friends now and you hang out. Yeah. Because not everybody skated back then. And, you know, I talk about that often. You know, coming up, I started skating about 85, 86 or so, maybe maybe late 84. And if you saw somebody, no matter where you were at, if they had a pair of Vans on, if they had a punk rock T-shirt on, you knew they searched that out. They had to do some work to get those shoes, to get that shirt, whatever. And it was an instant brotherhood, instantaneously. You are exactly correct, Trev. Yeah. The the skate shop, which was just a skate counter in the bike store. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> and uh, it was called Campus Bike and Toy. And we would go there and, like, the Thrasher would come in or the Transworld. And there would be, you know, two copies or whatever. And someone would buy it and would pass it around. Newsprint. You know, eventually 
the first Bones Brigade video came out, and then it was just everything just went wild. But again, we'd pass around that video. Yeah. You know, because yeah. you had to order it. Dude, uh, uh, David Swain, this um, cat who's at the skate park, Ann Arbor Skate Park, every morning, he brought me this stuff from uh, 78, actually, which was how to order your skateboard equipment. And it was just printed pages, like no pictures or anything. Just a list of things that you could buy. And that's the way it was back then, you know. It's funny, we'd look at skateboard magazines and see people doing tricks, and this is where the individuality comes in. We'd have to figure out how they got to that still second, you know, split second of the trick. And how'd they get up there or over there or on there, you know. When I and learned, everyone would do it differently. Yes, when I learned <laughs> to drop in on a half pipe, uh, I had never seen anybody do it. I hadn't seen Future Primitive was the video <laughs> for me. I, that's the life changer. But I hadn't seen anybody drop in. And so I would hold on to my board the whole time. And I would limp home. And my mom's like, did you make it today? And I said, no, I didn't make it. And she, maybe tomorrow, honey. You know, maybe try your hockey pants. Your uh, hips are taking a beating, you know. But I never <laughs> saw anybody do that or Ollie. And mm, those are two things yeah. that changed uh, my life. But I had never seen anybody actually do it in front of me. Yeah. I uh, I really never learned how to ollie. Really. I mean, I could ollie, you know, over a dime maybe if I had to, if Sasquatch was chasing me or something. <laughs> now, it's funny. A couple of years ago, there were some kids, some former students of mine who were at the skate park, and uh, this one kid was trying to hit tile in the clover bowl. And I said, all right, if you, if you hit tile, I will ollie over a board. And he did it. He got uh -oh. it on, like, the third try, and he's like, all right, let's see it. And then... Uh, I was like, all right, give me till tomorrow. I need some practice. <laughs> <laughs> and I was at the skate park the next day, and sure enough, here he comes with all his buddies and his dad. Oh, my. You know, they're like middle schoolers or elementary school kids. And he's like, all right, what's up, Mr. Staples? Let's see it. Mr. <laughs> Staples. But I, I ollied over it. I almost died, but he gave it to me. Right he on. He let me count it. Right on. Right on. And, and so, that was the last time I ollied over a board. Yeah, see, and that's awesome. That's awesome. I actually have been working over the last, like, I don't know, 6, 8, 12 months on my street alleys. I do 30 every time I go out on a street course or something. But, um, you know, so so skating, you know, obviously very influential in your, in, in your early years and throughout your whole life, actually. Um, how uh, I really want to know. Uh, you know, you had to go to college and do all that stuff. Mm -hmm. Was there a decision made uh, to be a teacher or did you just go in like open to anything and then you gravitated towards that? Because Trevor actually was a, a uh, what, fourth grade, fourth grade, fourth teacher, grade yeah. teacher for a very long time. How did that happen? Uh, well, not by design, that's for sure. When I graduated from high school, I was someone who never wanted to step inside of school again. Um, I didn't have any interest in school. Um, I don't know why that was. Uh, you know, um, my friends probably didn't help that much because they didn't care either. Right, right. <laughs> and so uh, I worked in restaurants for a while, you know, and probably 10 years, and then uh, found that, you know, working in restaurants is hard work, and I was getting ground down and started going back to school, went to Washtenaw Community College, which is a great school, and just um, took some random classes to figure out what I would want to do. Eventually, I ended up um, taking some English Lit classes, which clicked with me. 
Um, one of the professors asked me if I wanted to work in the Writing Center to help other people who were coming up, and um, that was a turning point for me because what I was doing was helping uh, students who are mostly older, like me, get back into school and either learn for the first time or relearn stuff that they had known before. And it's it's kind of scary when you're going back to school after you haven't been in school a long time. Um, it's almost like a fish out of water a little yeah, bit, you know? Yeah. And so that led me to think that maybe teaching was something that I could do. Um, eventually, I transferred over to Eastern, uh, EMU, Eastern Michigan University. Great teaching um, school. Mm -hmm. Like in our backyard, uh, yeah. a really, really... Yeah, they started as a, as a teaching school mm -hmm. um, and got an elementary uh, teaching certificate. And the plan was to go back and teach at the community college level. Um, but needing a master's for that, I decided to try out elementary teaching and see if I was into that, and I was, and I started in 2000, and last year I, um, well, I took a, a leave, I'm, I'm doing a different job now, um, probably retiring from teaching. Yeah, yeah, so how, you know, kids are, are interesting, especially that age, you know, and, yeah. and, uh, and I, I'm sorry, but skateboarding keeps me young. I'm sure mm -hmm. it does the same for you. It's it's like yeah. kick the can. I say that a lot. You know, if you haven't uh, seen the Twilight Zone episode, kick the can. Uh, in the movie, Scatman Crothers brings a, a can to a convalescent center, gets these older folks to kick the can. They all turn into little kids. Skateboarding is kick the can for me. So you mm -hmm. have a, a, a childlike uh, part of your brain is still has that childlike belief that childlike uh, chasing for passion and so now you're you're instructing kids who are four years old uh uh being a very influential part because how old is a a, a fourth grader how old is a fourth yeah, grader fourth grader you know 10 years old nine or 10 years okay, old okay so mm -hmm. up they're just at about six or seven is when uh According to studies, uh, the humans start making their own decisions mm -hmm. and start actually forming their own thoughts, their own opinions, those kinds of things. So they're right. only two years deep into making uh, or, uh, some making some ideas inside their own head for yeah, where I they're going to go. I taught third grade for a while for for most of my teaching career, and that that was definitely a grade that was a you know they come in as little kids and they leave as big kids. Mm -hmm. um, the fourth graders were awesome because they. They're getting a good sense of humor. They're capable of doing more. They still trust adults and think <laughs> adults are cool in some way, which you get to fifth grade, and it's like they're turning into teenagers already. Right, right, right. <laughs> but I go, I still go every Friday. The school is right near my house where I taught, and every Friday I go to recess in the morning with my uh, kids from last year who are fourth graders. They're fifth graders now. Oh, cool. Yeah, Very so cool. So I go stop in there and see my former colleagues and all that. It's great. Very Keeping cool. That connection. You know, since the uh, A2 skate park, Trevor's wearing an Ann Arbor uh, skate park T-shirt, and uh, I worked uh, with him quite a bit on different fundraisers to get that built because we're going to get to talking about this this opportunity in southeastern Michigan that is uh, phenomenal. It's like a, the perfect storm. If you are a skateboarder, extreme sports enthusiast, any of that, make sure to stay tuned because we're going to talk about a grand opportunity that is offered right now that is phenomenal. But when he started the Ann Arbor... Um, uh, skate park uh, trying to get some traction for that it, it wasn't quite as easy but uh, the reason I bring it up now is because how strange was it for you to be skating a park and have your students coming up hey Mr. Staples uh, can you frontside <laughs> grind this 10-foot end well you know 
my friends, especially my old friends, still think it's hilarious that people call me Mr. Staples. But uh, for me, it was pretty normal, you know, hanging out. I mean, it was almost 20 years that I was teaching. So yeah. you kind of get used to that. But what what's really cool is um, when I see kids who were in my class who start skating and, and seeing their progression. So um, this kid, Spence, shout out to Spence. He was in my class a few years ago. And he started skating right when the skate park was built. Mm-hmm. Um, he's been trying and trying, and I just saw an Instagram clip of him last night, where he's hitting the, hitting the tile in the big bowl. Oh, nice! And just like freaking out, like ah, I made it, you know. And that, it's just so cool to see that, you know. It's so cool to see someone drop in for the first time, or hit tile, or do a grind, you know. Um, that's my daughter there, my stepdaughter. Right on. And the sound of tile, I gotta, I gotta say, you know, the first time your oh, wheels yeah. roll over tile, yeah, it's almost like the first time you ever spoke a word when you were, you know, months old. It's the first time you ever took your first step. It, it, it is something you never forget. I believe the first time I hit tile, um, I have some of the tiles still to this day because I knocked some off in an Ann Arbor pool in ja- on Jackson Avenue, not too far uh, from yeah. where the skate park is right now. And that was the first time I actually skated a backyard pool, hit tile, and I have them. I have them like in a, in, in a secret spot. Nobody can get them. But it's it's such a, a rite of passage. It, mm-hmm. It's definitely mm-hmm. like dropping in, like uh, taking your first step, saying your first word. These are things in, in the skateboard world, they are equivalent to that. Um, but it's got to be crazy, you know, to be skating and and have the 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 kid you might have uh, given not the greatest grade to uh, three hours ago <laughs> coming up and uh, setting his boy. Hey, what's up, Mr. Staples? Yeah, How, what do you funny. got to say now? You know, it's really it's something we can connect on, and really that happens just at skate parks in general. People of different ages skating together. Uh, you don't see that in a lot of sports where someone who's six years old is right along doing the sport with a 60-year-old. And very oftentimes the same caliber, you know? Or it's, you can tell who's teaching who, right? Uh, yes, yes, that's what I'm yeah. getting at, exactly. Yeah, so it's it's pretty awesome, you know? It's a, it, And that was just one more way for me to connect. And the, the school I taught at Abbott Elementary is right down the street from the skate park, too, so that was right. pretty cool. Um, yeah, that's, uh, you know, I, I, I thought a lot about that, you know, over the last, especially few years, because uh, I've seen you a lot in the last five years mm-hmm. between the Dave mm-hmm. Tuck Memorial Skate Jam, the different things going on. Right now is the five year anniversary of mm-hmm. the Ann Arbor Public Skate Park. And, and that's huge, too. And I have to say, y- y- the the committee or whoever put that board up like last week with me autographing it with Tony Hawk Mm -hmm. blew my doors Mm -hmm. off. Like my comment was, I, if you read my comment, it's like, uh, if you would have told me 20 years ago that I'd be signing a board with Tony Hawk, I'd tell you, what planet do you live on, man? That'll never happen. And it did. It blew my doors off. And I can't believe it's been five years. You know, it doesn't seem that long to me. Everyone I mentioned it to is like, whoa, it's been five years already. You know? Yeah. Um, it's just, I mean, one thing, too, people just, it's just there, and it's part of Ann Arbor now, which is really cool, you know. Um, we have this monthly called the Ann Arbor Observer, and one of my one of my dreams when we were doing the, starting the skate park and developing the skate park was that there'd be a picture of the skate park on the Ann Arbor Observer, and that happened one day. You know, people do paintings or drawings, that's what the cover is like, and so that's pretty cool, you know, and and just the businesses, the the neighbors of the park, the whole community just embraces the skate park. Um, you know, when we were developing the park, we I know we're jumping around here, but um, 
everything we told people <laughs> is what actually happened. Right you know, on. people are helping each other. People clean up the park. People, you know, families come and some of the kids go play baseball or whatever, or go to the pool and go swimming or play on the playground and somebody skates and most of the time there's parents skating with their kids and it's just it's crazy and and going back to the 80s where it was just like ah we're gnarly skating you know it's it's sometimes funny to step back and say wow this is weird how it's such a normal thing now but it's so great for so many people um, especially people like me who weren't into team sports um, and having that individual outlet was really important to me and it and it really helped me just like with drumming you know it's like you're the drummer and you're in control of the, <laughs> the beat and the tempo or whatever not really but um that's the way we feel right uh, we're yeah. the most important person in the band right um first person there but, last person to leave but in our head <laughs> we most are equipment to carry yep but we are the reason <laughs> the band is where it's at today that's just if you're a drummer that's uh, what you think or why the band broke up <laughs> <laughs> One of the two. <laughs> One of the two, for sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So we're here with Trevor Staples. Um, if you are just tuning in, this is the drop-in, and you know that. But Trevor, uh, so far we've covered, I mean, growing up in the 80s as a skateboarder, that was not cool at all. Like, you were not a cool person if you rode a skateboard. I lost half my friends, you know. And, and so make sure to rewind, listen to the beginning of this show. And before going too much further, I want to thank PKI Logistics. You know, they're one of our first sponsors on the drop-in here. And they reached out to me because they liked the message of the show. And because of the integrity of the company. They're a logistics company from Tennessee. And because of the integrity of the company and the kind of customer they have, they were like, we want part of what you're doing. We want to be on board. We support what you're doing, Gerald. And it's, it's crazy to see this kind of support coming from all over the world. The owner uh, went to high school with me, and he happened to see a few of my Facebook videos, and he was like, you know, that's cool. And when he heard about the show, he's like, I want in on that. And so definitely check out PKI Logistics because they will ship anywhere in the world, no commission. There's no other company doing that right now. And that means international shipping with no commission. So definitely the lowest rate. And I'm going to look down because I can't memorize numbers very well. Call 844-391-8819 if you need to ship anything. Anything at all, definitely call PKI Logistics and understand they're supporting something that's trying to motivate the whole world. And that's the kind of people you want to be dealing with. So definitely check them out. Now, back to you, Trev. Thanks, by the way, for coming down. I know you you had sent me a text. If you want me, I'll be driving all over southeastern Michigan. <laughs> so thank you very much for taking the time uh, to stop in and visit with us here on, on the drop-in. It's my pleasure. Um, you know, it, it's awesome to hear about... Uh, you know, your transition, you know, I want to talk a little bit about your drumming because you're, you're still playing, you know, you still play on occasion. I see you mm -hmm. post up some stuff mm -hmm. and, uh, and I too am still playing as a matter of fact. Um, but, uh, you know, I looked at some of the pictures you sent over and they're, they're sweet. They are sweet. That one in particular. I love it. I love it. That is your stereotypical punk shot. That's gotta be 80, 83. 82 or something that was a band called the guardians of chaos <laughs> i love it i love it i love it how many people haven't seen that picture or know that part <laughs> about you mr staples well uh yeah i don't know i mean this is from this picture is uh hosted on westdean's website localcast.org um 
it'd be hard to find that. Not many people have probably seen that. Um, it's funny when people in my teaching life would see something like that and they'd just be like, whoa. Right, right. Wow, Mr. Staples, you know. Um, now in my life working with skateboarders more, it's more expected that something like that was in my life. Right, right. <laughs> just depends about who you're talking to and what kind of crowd you're, uh, you're in the middle of, you know? Yeah, that was at a place called the State House, which was just somebody's house and we just would have shows there. Well, see, and growing up in Ann Arbor, you know, and, and having those college houses, and, and I'm sure the punk scene in Ann Arbor was a lot different than the punk scene in Riverview where I grew up. But um, it, there was, there's always something going on, especially with that college community. And they're always yeah. a little ahead of, of other people when it comes to the new music, the new scene, the different thing, uh, anti-establishment, we'll say. Um, mm -hmm. And so when I saw that picture, I'm like, right on. It's like <laughs> almost, it could be the freezer, negative approach at the freezer in Detroit. You know, it's a, it's a great shot. And you're still playing. Like I said, you still skate, you still play the drums, you still do a lot of the things that keep us young, because mm -hmm. I do the same kind of things. Mm -hmm. And now um, you're working with the Hawk Foundation. Mm -hmm. And so I, I have to tell you guys, I'm, uh, it was a huge honor for me because I ran into Trevor, I don't know, eight months ago, 10 months ago, something like that. And we were having a conversation in Ann Arbor. And he actually, I was, I think the first person he told, <laughs> and it was like in hushed tones. After my wife. Okay, second person. <laughs> I don't want him to get him in trouble. But, okay, second person. I'm still totally honored because it was like in hushed tones. And he's like, dude, I, I might be working for the Hawk Foundation, man. And it, it blew me away. It blew me away because I knew he was a teacher. He, he, he had things set in place. He had busted his hump to get the Ann Arbor Public Skate Park built. It was built successfully you cannot roll by ann arbor without seeing 30 40 50 people at a time the one of my favorite things is when i see somebody in a baseball uniform walk over and mm -hmm. start skating the bowls that's one of my favorite things is when i see the bat and ball traditional sports uh athletes coming over and either taking a look and seeing what we're doing trying to trying to see and, and they start getting excited like oh did you see that or they come over maybe take off their cleats and throw on a pair of shoes and start skating with us that psychs me that gets me super stoked when i see that ann arbor we see that on a regular basis so anyway you got the park done it's great. Um, the Friends of Ann Arbor Skate Park, they're doing a good job. Mm -hmm. I mean, keeping the place uh, clean and doing a lot of different events there. And so how did it happen that um, the Hawk Foundation and you uh, got together? Well, let's start with what you're doing right now in Wyandotte, mm -hmm. because that's how we started in Ann Arbor. Just one person who decided, let's go for it. Not the first person who thought we should have a skate park or did a few things to get a skate park built, but really you and I, so me in Ann Arbor and you in Wyandotte, were the first people to sort of say, okay, let's get some people together who have the skills to do this, who are committed to doing this. And that's what we did, you know, in Ann Arbor we, um, and this leads to, this leads to my job at the Tony Hawk Foundation. Um, you know, our first friends of the Ann Arbor Skate Park meeting was at launch board shop and when it was in the basement on south u i don't know if you remember when yep. it was there yep um and we just put up flyers that said who wants a skate park in ann arbor and sure enough a couple dozen people showed up some moms some kids some you know gnarly skaters <laughs> if you want to call them that um and eventually we formed into a, a group of about i don't know five to a dozen people over the years 
who are committed to making this happen. Um, it was a learning process, you know, what what I did was I ordered that uh, public skate park development guide from the Tony Hawk Foundation and kept that thing in my hands for seven years while we were doing the skate park. <laughs> and I would like to comment on that because a few different people, um, I, I started uh, working with some people in August and we're doing a similar kind of thing. We're, we're getting public support. We're starting to raise money. We're going to put a skateboard park in, in the Downriver area in Wyandotte. But that public skate park, uh, I mean Bible, I'll say public skate park Bible, mm -hmm. uh, we are following that to a T and that is streamlined so much because the people who have done it like yourself and uh, like Peter, um, Peter has, Whitley, yep. yep. Peter Whitley the Tony Hawk Foundation. has streamlined. And author of the Public Skate Park Development Guide. Yeah, Pete, uh, he's the author. But they've streamlined so much from fundraising to where to start, where to freaking start. Because I'm a skateboarder, and I've been a skateboarder for over three decades. I don't know the first thing about building a skate park, what to do, who to talk to, any of that. This book, which is available online, you don't need the hard copy. You can go to the Tony Hawk Foundation website, and it'll link you to it. Trevor can probably give you the exact link, but it gives you a step-by-step -step where to start. If you don't know where to start, you go there. It tells you exactly what to do, the do's, don'ts, pitfalls, everything. Mm -hmm. It is written very well. So you had that in your hand for yeah. seven years straight, huh? Yeah, so there's some super important stuff in there that, that skaters don't always think of. You know, as a teacher, when I started uh, working towards the skate park, you know, I my life was filled with meetings. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I was a union rep, so I was I would go to those meetings that are run by you know Robert's Rules and all that. So I had meetings sort of in my blood already. So going to a city council meeting or a meeting with some park staff or something like that that wasn't that wasn't a stretch for me. Okay. But for regular skaters who just you know who don't go to meetings all the time, <laughs> they're very lucky. Um, you know, it can be intimidating to go to meetings and see how they work. And one thing the Public Skate Park Development Guide is, it goes through, like, how does a meeting work, mm -hmm. you know? Or if you're holding a meeting, you know, what should you have in place, you know? Here's how to do an agenda. Here are the things you should talk about, you know? And and so it really, it spells out every every step of the process. And some things you don't, you might not need, some thing, things you do need. One of the things that was helpful for us was... Uh, there's a whole section on why concrete versus, you know, wooden or metal or plastic ramps, which um, our city needed to know because at that time our city didn't really know much about skateboarding and skate parks. And we had to be the experts, which in some ways was nice because we're the experts going in. But in, in other ways, it's hard because you have to be the expert, you know, and you have to do it right. And it's on you if it gets messed up. And that's you know. still at the forefront of their uh, their ideas because we met with the Recreation Commission last week, and the only the only real uh, I guess negative question it was about upkeep and mm -hmm. how long does mm -hmm. the concrete yeah, the last yeah. and what about the maintenance and that was probably the only only uh, like I said negative question they had. Other than that, we spelled it out for them in forty five minutes what our ideas are and what we're doing. Yeah. Um, so it still holds true. They want to know what it's going to cost to keep it up or how it's going to affect uh, uh, usage in 5 years, 10 years, 20 years, whatever that case is. And in communities like Wyandotte, that's even more prevalent because you had a t what we call a temporary skate park, mm -hmm. some ramps and rails and things like that set up, and the maintenance cost and time needed to maintain those parks is, is huge. And when you have a community that put one of those in, which is, you know, well intended, like let's build a skate park for the kids, 
Um, but when you get salespeople who come in and say, oh, this is what a skate park is, and they have nice brochures and everything, you know, and then you get a set of ramps that are just falling apart in a couple of years because they're outside in Michigan or Western New York or wherever. Um, and so, yeah, so the, the skate park development guide, the public skate park development guide, you can find it on TonyHawkFoundation.org. Um, TonyHawkFoundation.org is just a wealth of information of all things how to get a skate park built. Um, you know, the Tony Hawk Foundation does offer grants, but mostly what we do is offer technical uh, support. So, uh, you know, people could call me anytime or email me, Trevor at TonyHawkFoundation.org, or call the main office or email the main office out in San Diego where it's warm and talk to uh, Alec Beck, who's a ripper, Peter Whitley, who skates and wrote the Public Skate Park Development Guide, Mickey Vukovic, who's, you know, forever longtime skater and part of the skate and, you know, music scene. It's just, it's, oh man, it's... It's such a great organization and such a small organization that does so much. It's really amazing. Well, and it's crazy because, uh, like you said, you know, it's a wealth of knowledge. If you go to the Tony Hawk Foundation website, and and I brought it up, Trevor hit it on it. You know, I'm a skater. I've skated hundreds of parks across the world. But when it comes to actually getting one built, I didn't know the first thing about it. And, yeah, I can call Trevor, but I can sit down at night and read this book cover to cover. And I've read it cover to cover like four or five, six times. We always go back to it. Any new members to our group drop in downriver. I ask them if they'd like to borrow it to take it home and read it because it talks about everything, everything like Trev said, how to go to a meeting. You know, I went to a city council meeting. I had never been, actually, I take that back. I was to one other one, but um, I had already been speaking and I was comfortable in that setting. But if you've never been in that setting and don't know, like either you got to make an appointment or you can talk in the open space, you know, there's there's some, some sort of a protocol you have to follow going to a city council meeting and speaking to the recreation department and going down the proper steps. The book helps you streamline that because mm -hmm. you're not talking to the person over at the uh, you know city county building who's responsible for plowing your roads about getting a skate park built it built it tells you exactly where to go so if you are at all interested in uh, a public skate park in your town make sure to reach out to trevor take a look at the tony hawk uh, foundation website because that will give you some idea of what it actually takes i've seen people say i want a skate park you know and they get all fired up and they get into it and realize it's work. Realize yeah. it ain't gonna happen overnight with one right. phone call that, you know, we've been working eight months and we're just at the beginning now. Like we just got to the fundraising part of, of, of skate park. And so I feel like we worked eight months to get to start, yeah. <laughs> really. Right. And, and, and a lot of people don't realize that. You know, um, have you run into a lot of that uh, that have contacted you where people are like, wow, that's a lot of work, uh, Mr. Staples. I'm going to call you Mr. Staples when I'm talking official. <laughs> um, Mr. Staples shall answer now. Um, it's not very often that people tell me that's a lot of work. I don't think I can handle it. Usually they just sort of fade away uh -huh. and I never hear from them again. Or mm -hmm. I, and I check in with them. And, you know, there, there are a few projects like that um, throughout the region. You know, my service area personally is southeast Michigan and western New York, and we can talk more about those uh, built-to-play grants in a little bit. Um, but, yeah, I mean, the key to getting a skate park built is not doing it alone. Yes. One or two people cannot do it. Um, you know, there needs to be a person who's, you know, my wife calls me the salesperson, you know, because like you, Gerald and I have this in common. We're out there trying to get people fired up, 
getting people excited and then also persuading them to do to take their skill set and do something positive for the skate park once you have five people like that that can do different things then like like your project right now things just start moving right along and it has been insane you know it really has been crazy because like i said we spent eight months getting a start you know and 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 the built to play grant um was huge for us um but now I spent a, a few hours myself and some other um, of our committee members just walking up and down downtown Wyandotte with personal invitations for business owners mm -hmm. and inviting them to our event on April 27th. And it's just a meet and greet. It's nothing crazy. You know, it's a little minor fundraising, but really it's to let people know what we've done, what we're doing, where we're going, because a lot of people don't have a clue. They hear skate park and they have their own vision of what a skateboard park is. Yeah. So we want to explain to everybody, public, business owners, mm -hmm. uh, the officials from the city, what we're doing. The support has been phenomenal. And I think when they realize that it's not a 16 year old with a pipe dream or um, somebody who is just like, oh, I'm gonna build a skate park and, and they realize we're serious, that we, we've done a lot of work already just to get to this point. And our committee mm -hmm. is awesome. We have people from the Chamber of Commerce. We have nurse, a nurse mm -hmm. who is the head of our communications. And each week we get more thanks to the Hawk Foundation because as, as we move forward with this project, and the built to play grants were awarded in March and we got one of those and the publicity from that has just helped us because more people are coming out to our meeting and saying, hey, either they just want to know what we're doing or they want to help. Mm -hmm. And those people that have only been with us maybe three or four weeks, are, they come in with a whole new fire that, mm -hmm. that helps our momentum. And, and we've been doing good with the momentum part. But when, when these new people come in and are all fired up, it helps with that momentum. Yeah. But let's talk about the Built to Play grant because, uh, well, you Well, let know, me touch on one thing you said, too. Sorry okay. to interrupt. But um, you mentioned 16-year-olds and how hard that is for them to get something going. I definitely don't want to dissuade any 16-year-olds or young people oh, absolutely from not. Absolutely getting it started not. because one thing about young people who go and present to municipal uh, groups of whatever kind, um, boards or commissions, is that the, the boards and commissions, the elected officials, love the kids. You know, um, Ipsy Township, Ypsilanti Township here in Michigan, they're a recipient of a Built to Play grant. Um, the way that started was we had a 17-year-old who came to present to the Parks Commission. He had already done a slideshow for a class about why Ypsilanti needs a skate park, and he just tweaked that a little bit and came and gave it to the Parks Commission. Right and on. And they were blown away that this kid has these skills to do this. Right know? on. Again, he can't do it alone. I can't do it. You can't do it alone. But it takes everybody, you know, and definitely this is mostly for young people, these skate parks. You know, we're going to skate there. Um, I'm an old fart. You're almost an old fart. <laughs> <laughs> As you think, so shall you be. But, I'm still 14. But, yeah, so, um, you know, another way to get into getting skate parks built is just to uh, find out where there's a project going on and help out with that. You know, um, you have, uh, what's next to Wyandotte? Is that Southgate? Riverview, Southgate. Southgate. So if you're in one of those communities that's near Wyandotte or near one of the built-to-play communities that's getting a skate park built or any community that's getting a skate park built, you know, that's a good way to learn how it goes and, and help get a skate park built and then maybe even do it in your community too after that. Well, and you brought up the youth. Our youth advocates are awesome. You know, we have a, a nine, 13, and I think 11 are our main advocates. They're at every meeting. 
I, I force them, even when they're quiet, to chime in. Um, and I needed a PowerPoint built, and I'm like, you know, I'm not very strong at PowerPoint, so I had like the 11-year-old taking care right. of the PowerPoint for me, because right. I want them as included as any else. Their, their vote means as much as anybody else in our committee, and they've been there since day one. They are the most important part. You know, mm -hmm. I'm a little selfish. I want a bowl in my backyard that I can go skate when I'm 70, but this, this kind of uh, uh, complex will be influencing and inspiring youth for the next 20 to 30 years, like it did for me, which I just ran into the guy who owned the first ramp I ever uh, skated. And um, and so um, we're going to continue on with that. But once again, I want to thank PKI Logistics. And I'll tell you what, I was blown away. I was blown away when Steve reached out to me and he said, you know, I've been watching what you're doing, G, and uh, and I'd like to, to support it any way I can. And... Um, and it, it, it really was phenomenal. You know, his company is a logistics company out of Tennessee, and they ship anywhere in the world, anywhere in the world. And there, there's no commission, so their rates are a little lower. But the bigger thing is that he saw the inspiration and the motivation and the, and the loyalty and honesty that uh, the drop-in is bringing, and his company brings the same kind of things. And so if you need anything at all shipped around this great giant blue marble, reach out to PKI Logistics. The number is 844-391-8819. And talk to Steven and see if he can help you out. And I'm sure he can, you know, and they, they do it all. They do it all at the best possible competitive rate you can get. So make sure to reach out to them no matter what you're shipping and check it out. Thank you very much for the support, Steve. I really do appreciate it. And uh, we wouldn't be here without people like you. So thank you, sir. Thank you very much. But back to Trev. Um, so you want to go into these uh, these grants that it's like a crazy, perfect storm. If you're in southeastern Michigan or you're in, uh, what did you say, western, western New, New York, York. Mm -hmm. it is amazing time to be a skateboarder. And I'll tell you why. Uh, with these built-to-play grants, they are offering a quarter million dollar matching grants. And the Ralph C. Wilson Foundation. Yep, and I'm going to let Trevor go into it because this is his specialty right now. I mean, he has a bunch of specialties. He can rock you. He can teach you. And now he can talk to you about the uh, built-to-play grants. So uh, let's hear it, man. What What is it? So the Ralph C. Wilson Jr. Foundation is, uh, man, they're just an amazing group. Um, Ralph C. Wilson Jr. was the guy who founded the Buffalo Bills um, when he passed his his wish was to for people to sell the bills and use that money to help the two regions he's from the detroit area he founded the bills so that's where the western new york and southeast michigan piece comes in and the ralph c wilson jr foundation has been doing so much for the detroit area and the buffalo area and even out to rochester new york um, from parks to um, helping youth get active to early childhood stuff, um, just everything across the, the board. And one of the things that they did um, about a year and a half ago, two years ago, was commissioned a study on kids and play and through the Aspen Institute. And what that study showed was that uh, many kids want to learn how to skateboard but don't have a place to skate, especially in lower income areas, especially in our region. And so they wanted to seek out a way to help get skate parks built and get, because they want to get kids active, as we do, right? Mm -hmm. <clears throat> and, you know, who better to help with that than the Tony Hawk Foundation? 
they partnered with the Tony Hawk Foundation and worked out this series of grants that's for $250,000 in matching funds. Um, the goal is to do 20 skate parks between Western New York and Southeast Michigan. Um, we've got 12 grants awarded so far. I want to list them off just so people can get excited. In Michigan, Port Huron, Ferndale, Ypsilanti, Detroit Riverside Park, which is opening soon, Wyandotte is coming, Chandler Park, Ride at Sculpture Park got one of our grants to finish their skate park. Um, in New York, Jamestown, Medina, uh, Alex Rice Peace Park in uh, Amherst, Buffalo's LaSalle Park, and Rock City in Rochester. Um, there's a bunch more coming up that I'm working with. Um, and it's just it's just an amazing uh, opportunity, especially in our region. You know, skate park grants are not large. Tony Hawk Foundation probably has the biggest skate park grants around, from five to twenty-five thousand dollars, and to have grants of two hundred fifty thousand dollars from the Ralph C. Wilson Jr. Foundation is just uh, it's it's unbelievable. Well, and you I'll know? tell you, one of the raddest things I've seen, you know, we just went through the process. We started in August. We applied for the grant on January 14th. We're awarded the grant in March. And uh, you hear a lot of horror stories about, you know, you have to hire a grant writer. You need this. You need that. You need this. You need that. When Trevor and I first met, he had already done the due diligence about the city of Wyandotte. He knew we fit the economic model that could get one of these grants. And they make it as easy as possible for anybody to be able to fill out the application and submit it to possibly get a grant. They really give you a step-by-step, -step, and there is nothing difficult about this grant application. There really wasn't. I mean, you guys told me exactly what you needed. We needed, you know, a letter from the city, our youth advocates, a, a few mm -hmm. different things to be a 501c3 uh, nonprofit. But there was nothing like crazy that we had to pay for. We just had to go out and do it. Right. And a couple of things you mentioned. So these grants are for lower income municipalities. Mm -hmm. um, so that means lower than the state median household income. So that's pretty easy to figure out through the census data. Um, also on TonyHawkFoundation.org, there's a whole, there's a, a web page about the grants and a worksheet that you can use. I don't know if you printed that out when you did this before yeah. you applied, but you can print out the worksheet that has everything that's going to be in the grant. So it's, you're not, you know, some grants you just fill out online and you're freaking out and you got to turn it in. Don't know if you got everything right, but um, this is a way that you can do it way ahead of time. Um, and speaking of that, uh, many of your listeners might know that June was the date for the next uh, deadline for these grants. We've actually pushed that back to the fall, so there's more time to apply for these oh, grants. Sweet. So it's going to be probably in September. So um, groups have over the summer to, to get ready to apply for these grants. So if you're listening and you're in southeastern Michigan or you are in western New York, you have till the fall to get on this. So make sure to check out the TonyHawkFoundation.com and see if you fit the criteria. And if you do, Trevor brought up the worksheet. Worksheet's priceless. You go through this worksheet and... Um, and, and, and really, you can just cut and paste your answers right to the, to the application, and you're done. I am not the smartest guy in the world when it comes to this kind of thing, and, and, and I would, had a hand in doing it. We, we did it with, with the help of everybody in our committee, and you can't do it alone. You know, we, we definitely didn't do it alone at Dropping Down River. We have a great group. You were freaking, I mean, amazing at, at, at pointing us in the right direction. If we had any questions, you always got back. We, we really uh, 
I mean, we we have the perfect team, really, and and you are huge with that. So thank you, thank well, you very much for that. for that. Well, it's great to see you developing a skate park. You know, when um, when I heard about these grants and that there needed to be someone to manage this, I was thinking about my circle of friends and who might be good for this job. You were the one of the ones I thought of. Um, so yeah, so these built to play grants are great, but many people don't live in Southeast Michigan or Western New York. Um, if you want to help skate parks get built, the Tony Hawk Foundation does have grants. Um, we do need money for that. <laughs> so um, there are ways to donate to THF and you can get swag, you can uh, become a recurring donor, which we love, where a little bit is taken out every month. Um, another way to help if you don't have the funds to do it is we're doing these skate park stories where on our website you can find the skate park stories on TonyHawkFoundation.org where we're encouraging skaters or anybody to make a short three-minute video answering a couple questions talking about why skate parks are important. And right we're going to use that to encourage bigger donors or more communities to get skate parks and things like that. Cool. Cool. Well, so we're definitely getting... visit the website. Right on. Well, we're getting to the end of our show. Trev, I want to thank you so much for being here. Um, would you please put the, a little birdie in uh, Mr. Tony Hawk's uh, uh, ear to how much fun you had here so we can get him in studio <laughs> next. But, um, right, you know, well. it has been phenomenal. This journey, um, especially our friendship and, and just to see uh, the growth in each other. And, and we're about an hour, 45 minutes apart. But to see it, it's been awesome awesome and then with the the grants and the hawk foundation it's just really made us a tighter community i think as far as skateboarders go and now with where i'm at in my life you're at in your life we get to inspire the youth and inspire uh even uh more people to how much skateboarding is you know there's no uniform there's no rules there's no right way or wrong way to do it and that's what makes it so appealing to a lot of different people so with that i want to say thank you very much and um, make sure to tune in. Make sure to uh, share this with as many people as you can. And I will be back next week. Uh, so keep it up. I appreciate you guys. And uh, let's do this some more. So keep it up. Thanks. Bye.